Good afternoon all, Steve Parisi here with IBC Global. Hope the day is off to a great start. We've got one of my favorite guests today, Elizabeth Morgan. How are you, my friend? <laughs> I'm great, Steve. Probably not as good as you. You're the most enthusiastic person I know. Oh, well. <laughs> really, really well, thank you. Thank you, no, I appreciate that. I know people who are much more enthusiastic than me. I'll have to introduce you to them one day. Um, <laughs> So as always, thank you for your time. I do appreciate it. I know you've always got a lot going on. Um, for today, what uh, we think we thought our listeners would be really attracted to is something that you and I have spoke about. You help me with all the time, you and your associates, which is really just bus for business owners, right? What do you see with business owners, your clients that are business owners, mistakes that are made, mistakes that can be avoided, and then also, how do you how do you tie potentially the estate planning into the the whole picture for someone like me, for example, who's a business owner? How do you set that up personally, and then also on the business side of things, which is a lot right there. Like just when I say it, I get confused. I'm like, that's a lot to manage. It's not my strength, but you're very good at that, and you can explain it nice as well. So I thought that would be a fantastic topic that a lot of people will enjoy. <laughs> Okay, well, well, thanks. Um, yeah, I think the kind of step one, the most one of the most important things to remember is there's a very big difference between owning a business and working for a business. Yeah. So if you're working for a business, you have you know typical rules like what's my retirement plan, what's my compensation, how much is being withheld. Is there, you know, qualified, non-qualified compensation plans, et cetera. So those are, if you're an employee and you work for a business, you've got one set of rules. Um, and there are, uh, it's a, it's, it's not that there's not a lot in that space, but it's fairly well-defined. Yeah. If you are a corporation, you have a whole other set of things to consider that are very corporate in nature. You have regulatory issues, you know, human resources, um, you know, big corporate tax questions. And the majority of lawyers are going, especially in big firms, are going to be really familiar with the big corporate issues. And that's because corporations are big clients, right? Um, so, business owners, people who own the businesses and doing the planning for entrepreneurs, smaller businesses, um, there aren't a lot of people who spend a lot of time on that because there's typically not a lot of money in it. Um, it's a lot of small clients. It's not just one big, oh, you know, I manage ExxonMobil, you know, whatever. If you were at, at, at a big law firm, that's what you would be looking for. So, um, my particular heart <laughs> is with business owners. And that's because I believe that small business is the backbone of a free market system. Um, you know, a system that's free of oligarchy, which is, you know, control in the hands of the few, whether it's government or families is not necessarily conducive to free market. You need a lot of free flow of capital to have a free market system. So that that's something that I grew up with and it's it's something that I'm very very passionate about. So if 
if you are a listener to this podcast and you're thinking um, about these issues uh, and you're thinking, could I start a business? Is that something I could do? Um, the answer is yes, actually. I mean, that's one of the beauties of the United States of America is our social, um, you know, our, our social experiment that was the United States was specifically established on that principle that entrepreneurs and small business are necessary. Now, there's a lot of a lot of talk about capitalism being bad and taking advantage of people and how bad that is. And, and I'm not making a political statement when I'm saying this. Think about power structures. Um, if you have a whole lot of people offering services rather than one, what easy economics says is that that competition necessarily provides for lower pricing, less gouging, et cetera. So uh, entrepreneurs are in and of themselves part of the, uh, of, of the remedy for you know, crony capitalism because then the power structure is not centralized, it's decentralized. So that's um, just my tiny little economic lesson. And hopefully all of you who heard that um, have had economics and can understand what that looks like. Um, but, but then the next step is now that you understand, hopefully, and agree with me that small business is important to a free you know, economy. Now the question is, okay, could I start my own business? How would I do that? Let's say I, I am, I work for a company, right? Could I start my own business? And the answer is, Yes, of course you could. Um, is it easy? I would say no, it's not easy. But with the right resources, it's something that you absolutely can, can do. So one of the things that Steve and I want to talk to you guys about is how would you do that? What would it look like? Um, how would you organize a business? Do you need an entity structure? Um, because those are the things that you're, going to need to be able to think through. Um, what software would you use? How do you develop your own um, business plan? Uh, what, uh, what about financing? How would you go get a small business loan? So I think, Steve, those are some of the uh, things that listeners who are thinking about starting their own business would those would be some of their very first questions it is just the how to how do i do this where do i start and i'll say for me personally how i started my business i kind of just fell into it i don't want to say it was by accident but i worked for other people kind of got irritated i don't want to use the word irritated it didn't work out with the people i worked with um so started working with people on my own got bigger and bigger i was told by someone well you should definitely set up some type of corporation so I did that. Yeah, it sounds like a good idea. I've seen other people do it. Um, started to hire people, just used payroll services, used Google a lot. I still do to this day. Uh, <laughs> like, And I would argue, I would argue that a lot of business owners, when you first start, when you're trying to get things going, you don't have the money necessarily to pay for, for attorneys or other professionals that can help. Like, all right, I'll try and do it myself. 
And what I've learned through that, so hopefully this is a good learning lesson that you can speak to, is a lot of the things that I've done that I thought was right because I heard it from my friend or somewhere on YouTube or Google weren't set up properly. And it was much more time consuming and difficult and expensive to then undo some of that stuff to then do it correctly. So learning as you go, yes, I think it's one of the best ways to learn by making mistakes and such. But at the same time, if I can prevent the I didn't know that situation, like, oh, thanks for telling me that. I'll turn left, not right here so I don't fall off the cliff. That's very helpful um, <laughs> just from an inf information standpoint. Um, does that make sense? Any questions on that? Yeah, no, it's, okay. it's absolutely the, you know, the the right answer. And the question is, um, who, you know, who do you turn to? Like Steve, in your particular situation, you had advice that you form a C-Corp. Right. S-Corp S initially. Yes. Mm -hmm. So was it a C-Corp where you made an S-election? Um, I don't even know. I have to go back and look at it. Yeah. It was a C-Corp and you yeah. made an S-election. And I think we still have part of your structure there, but, um, but there are the thing that has gotten really confusing um, in the old days, you had simple business structures. You either had an aggregate ownership because you had partners, it was a partnership, yeah. or you had a corporation. That was really the way that it worked, or you could have a sole proprietorship. That was kind of the old days until fairly recently when we had the addition of a limited liability company, which was a hybrid between a partnership and a corp. Um, and then there was the question of, well, how do you tax it? Because it looks like a partnership, but it also looks like a corporation. So how does that work? And so until we got the check the box regulations in the nineties, we didn't know how really to address those things. So now it actually is, it's much more flexible, but much more confusing. So now you can elect to treat almost any type of entity any way you want to. So it's now unfortunately become more important for people who are starting businesses to have advice. And then the question is who gives the advice? Should I go to the CPA or the business lawyer. So the answer is you might need both. You might need a business lawyer who is helping you, you know, with choice of entity. And then you need a CPA who helps you decide how you're going to tax that entity. Is it going to be disregarded? So it comes just to you. Is it going to be a partnership? Do you have a partner? Do you want it to be taxed as a corporation? because of the type of industry that you're in. So the other thing that's important, like Steve, for your industry, your industry understood corps, mm -hmm. corporations. So that was something that the person you consulted originally knew that that was an industry specific type of thing. And then your CPA said, make an S election to now have a flow through entity, which made sense. And it did make sense originally. But as you started to grow, you needed some ability to change that structure and that requires a tax lawyer. So unfortunately, 
when you're in business structures, you are going to have to budget some money to get that advice because, um, you know, you've got industry specific stuff, you know, and I'll just speak, you know, sometimes um, you are uh, in an industry that is highly regulated and those industries require certain types of business structures. So you, you need to understand that. Um, and then you'll also need to understand your ownership modality. Who's going to be the owners? How are we going to pay ourselves and each other? Right. And then how, what is the tax consequence of that payment modality? Mm -hmm. Got it. So that's a lot there, which I would say, if I'm new to all of this, I would hear that or see that and feel overwhelmed. If I'm going to put a big if here, if I had to do it on my own. Right. right. Well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the benefit of the growth of it's like it's the good and bad. Like you said, you still rely on Google a lot. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that people who have watched us do videos before know we work together. And um, so you will Google something, which is actually very helpful because you come to us to ask a question and you already know what the question is. So I would say that um, as, as much bad information as there is out there, at least you can get a sense of the question you're asking before you go to your lawyer CPA kind of combo to, to, you know, to get them to help you find the answer, right? You may not find the answer from a rapper, Mm -hmm. on uh, TikTok, but what you might do is understand the general issues. So, um, so it, it's, it is really important. I mean, that is the downside, you know, can you start a business? And the answer is yes. And if you're in an unregulated environment, you could be a sole proprietor and have everything on schedule C and that's probably a fine answer. Right. Um, but as you start to grow, I wouldn't branch out beyond a sole proprietorship um, without having somebody assisting you and deciding what type of entity you should form. Because what you don't want, and we don't have time to really go into the C-Corp situation, but there are some tax rules that can make it difficult if you're in a corporation and then you decide you want to go into a flow through that isn't an S corp. So you can start with the sole proprietorship. That's very simple. It's all on Schedule C. That's a good way to get started, have some cash flow. And then what you need to do is make sure you have a good CPA, a good business lawyer, and somebody, probably a tax slash business lawyer, who, who can help you think through those issues as you start to grow. Got it. Yeah. And what I'll say just from working with you guys, what I like is uh, while all of that stuff can be complex unless you're in the industry and you you live and breathe it, is providing guidance. And what I like is making it somewhat simple and saying, here's a couple of different options. Or you personally, with your experience, you say, okay, well, here's what I would do or here's what I recommend based on the current laws, based on what other clients do. And where it will help you is A, B, and C. Just simplifying it a bit, giving me some high level uh, and high a high level overview there where I can understand it. 
uh, just because it can be complex. And I can use the example of a cash value life insurance illustration where I've been told you've got to simplify things a bit more because it can be complex, if that makes sense. Right. No, yeah. it's, it's, it's true. It's really, really true. And, and you know, I think that um, the, the thing for business owners is um, I know it's hard to pay money <laughs> to people, professionals, right? Nobody wants to do that. Why do I need to hire somebody? But um, I'll tell I'll tell a little story that's kind of heartwarming. Um, when my children were little, uh, and I have four of them, I would work like a dog all week, and then I'd spend all week in washing clothes and organizing closets, etc. And my husband at the time said, "This is ridiculous. Like you, we need to hire a housekeeper." And I said, I don't want to hire a housekeeper. I don't want to spend that money. It's something I can do. And his point was, Elizabeth, <laughs> it, it, whatever we pay her is worth it because then you can take that energy either to spend it with the children or to work to pay whatever the housekeeper costs. Yeah. And that was, I remember that was when my, you know, I, my number two child was a toddler and I've never looked, it was very hard for me because why would I hire someone to do something I can do? And small business owners are the exact same way. Y'all will all say, why would I hire someone? I can do this. Um, but the reality is you have a business that you are gonna scale and grow. So, and you're right, you have to do a cost benefit analysis. You don't wanna go spend way more than the services are worth. And, and part of that is hard, but what you need as an entrepreneur and a business owner is you don't need the friction of a whole lot of things like washing clothes and cleaning out closets. I'm, I'm not saying you're doing that, but that's the, the corollary um, that, that I would like to raise. Yeah. I'm with you and thanks for that illustration. You wanna be able to move fast and leverage what you leverage your time and what you're very, very good at as the business owner, which will help drive revenue and all of those small things that you might view. It only takes me five minutes here. This only takes me an hour per week. Here it takes three hours per week. You're spending all of this time on that. You're also spending mental energy thinking about it. Great, I'm gonna to have to stay up later to complete this task or these tasks over here. That takes up a lot of time at the end of the day. And if you can spend money to cover that, whether it's employees, whether it's your firm, a lawyer, a CPA, whoever it is to help with that, now you've freed up more time and you actually end up making a lot more money as a result. Right. Because yeah, you're leveraging your time and what you're good at, also the things you enjoy more, which naturally you're gonna have more fun then. Um, but I, I do know what you mean there. And some examples that we've experienced personally could be HR issues, if there are legal issues that pop up. The thing is, like as a business owner, when you're trying to focus on your clients providing top tier service to them, and then some HR issue pops up that you have zero experience with. Now, if you're doing it on your own, you have to go research it and that's stressful and like, okay, different states have different laws. Like it's not, it's not fun at all. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not fun and it's also, you know, arguably dangerous. Yeah, you know? it's serious stuff. Um, and we've had little things that pop up, just HR issues in the past, and we have someone that has helped on our payroll team, but we've reached out to you guys and you've gotten back 
within an hour when we've had there was one issue as far as here's exactly what we would do and here's why we're like thank you and that's what we did <laughs> just to, right to kind right. of solve I mean, it. it's and it is you know it is hard to find the you know those people and again that is one of the things that business owners what i find is that they'll be like i don't have time i don't have time to go interview lawyers or whatever and so i I know it's hard, but it if you can identify your team to help you grow and scale your business at the very beginning, you're, let's say you did take two days out of your life to interview service providers. It'll come back to you in spades. Um, and I, you know, I know who wants to talk to lawyers, honestly. I don't even, you know, I don't want to talk to lawyers on the whole. Um, CPAs have are are better, I think, um, uh, but it's it's very well worth it. And a lot of people ask, well, do I need someone in my town? Um, if you're talking about a business lawyer who's helping you devise structures, so you're talking about the top side, and you're talking about federal tax issues. The answer is no. You don't have to have someone in your neighborhood or your town. You don't. Um, with regard to local and regulatory issues, yeah, you might need a subject matter expert or somebody who's actually licensed in that state to do those things. But if you have a good business lawyer, they will operate more like general counsel, outside general counsel to your company. And they will advise you too when it's important to hire those people. Um, you know, whether it's someone to work with the unions or, you know, whether you really do have some state related human resources issues. I mean, goodness, if you're in New York or California, um, there are people who spend their whole career addressing those state level HR issues. But the benefit of having that business lawyer, the business slash tax and your CPA at the beginning, those people will be able to guide you. Um, and that's going to take a ton of pressure off of you to know that you just call them and they will say, yeah, we need to go with, you know, these people and let's solve the problem this way. Yeah. So. Huge help. Yeah. And thanks for explaining that. I mean, as far as the in-state lawyer, I don't have one. I mean, you guys are the only people I work with. And if we have needs for in-state lawyers or counsel, whatever you would refer to it as, you would just find someone, correct me if I'm wrong, that one can provide the proper service, but then two, it has the right synergy if needed, meaning you're not just going to hire the first person you find. They've got to connect. Right. And the good news about having your own kind of general counsel is like for you, we have had things where we've gone and, you know, taken advice from somebody else on a specific issue. But we digest it for you. And the other thing that's good, you don't have to bring that professional up to speed. We can say, here are the charts. Here's what we need. Here's what we think. Confirm, deny, you know. Um, and so that's, you know, that's the other benefit. And I, I think a lot of times people think, well, gosh, I just own a, a pool servicing company. Do I really need that? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you might not, but there could be real liability issues, even with a pool servicing company or an air conditioning 
company, right? Because you, you know, is your insurance sufficient for the risk that you have? You know, what if um, one of your technicians makes a mistake or goodness gracious, what if they, you know, anyway, I could think of a whole parade of things that even in small trades related companies, it is helpful to have somebody who can direct you. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent agree with that. And it helps prevent, again, the, I didn't know that situation. Um, It also, and this is me again, speaking personally, helps keep emotions just, just out of situations. Like as a business owner, if you're trying to deal with 10 million things, the business employees, and you've got some left field issue that comes at you, whether it's from someone outside, if it's a lawsuit, if it's something internally, you're like, I don't know what to do with this. And then sometimes you're like, I've had it and we get emotional and we make some bonehead move that we didn't realize is not legal or is going to have some implications that are very, very negative to us. And now that's our only focus. So speaking personally, when things have popped up, like, okay, what should I do here? Like, here's how I feel. Is this right or wrong? What options do we have? And like, all right, here's A, B, and C. We recommend this. I'm like, all right, I kind of like A. I'm like, all right, maybe we should do that. But discuss it with someone that you trust and then make the decision. It's helped just pull emotions out of important decisions, important decisions that you might not view as important because you don't know as the business owner, but. Right. And it's the things you know, don't know that you don't know, you know, like it's a whole, uh, you know, let's say that you are a plumber, right? You know, your industry, you know, your business, you know that very well, but do you know anything about um, an HR question or a trademark issue? Right. What if you, um, you know, you've always called yourself Mr. Plumber, right? And you try and form a business and put that on your truck, only to find out that's a trademarked term. Would you even know how to go and look for the term, you know, Mr. Plumber? That the answer is you probably wouldn't, and that's okay. In the same way that I'm not going to plumb my house, right? I'm going to call you, Mr. Plumber, to come do it. So. Um, But I think you also bring up another point, Steve, you have to, whoever these people are who are assisting you, you have to trust them because, you know, it's like if I paid my housekeeper to come clean my house and I never let her in the front door, you know, or I tell her, yeah, you can clean this room, but not the rest of the house. What, you know, really what good is it? Right. So I think that's the other thing that I always like to tell small business owners is you have to somebody find someone who's synergistic with you. And what you don't want is a lawyer just constantly telling you no. Yeah. Somebody who's wise, who is able to say, okay, mm, that one looks a little risky, but because of the cost benefit, if you're willing to realize that there's a, a possible cost here, given the benefit, then we're all, you know, then we're all good. So that's what you're also looking for as a business owner, because if you're an entrepreneur and I'll plug a really good book by Alex Charfin, entrepreneurial personality types, entrepreneurs tend to, the reason you're successful is that you think outside the box and you'll push the envelope. And that's a good thing. That's a, that's the only way you can be an entrepreneur. If you don't have that personality type, then you're going to be happy working for someone else, which is also a fine answer. But if you if you push the envelope and you're creative and you're comfortable with risk, 
then in Alex's book, he talks about that's a personality type, which means what you don't need are a bunch of advisors just telling you no, right? Because that's going to make you feel crazy that people just keep telling you no. You don't want to hear no. You want to hear, okay, I see where you want to go. Let's talk about how we get you there. Let's be goal oriented. Let's not be just fixated on an option that won't work. Where do you want to go? So, and, and the other thing I wanted to mention is that um, there are what I call fractional CFOs or fractional CEOs where sometimes if you're a small business, you can find people that are like, kind of like what I do outside general counsel for entrepreneurs, you can find them also in the, you know, C-suite of, of individuals, not usually an operating officer, because usually that's very specific, but a chief financial officer or a chief executive officer, if you're trying to have someone, let's say you're really young. And I, I will tell you, in my experience, a lot of the companies that have been really successful that, uh, and I won't, name them, but there are ones that you would know. I've watched the young entrepreneurs bring in the old guy on a CEO, CFO basis to help them go from the startup phase into the, you know, either monetization, selling it or creating, you know, a multi-million dollar company from a small company. So those are things that you need to think about, you know, find that outside advisor, Find someone who's going to going to be wise. You want your wise counselor. And then depending on your size, you may actually want to bring someone in house to provide that service as well. But at the very beginning, what Steve is saying is really one of the most um, important things. And that is go ahead and expend some time and energy to find someone at the beginning rather than waiting till you have a problem. I fully agree with that. Yeah. And if I'm going to sum a lot of what you set up just with call it principles, um, listening, right? Someone who's actually going to listen to you as the business owner and discuss things, not just tell you now or tell you what to do. And And then also one of my favorite words is just humility as a business owner to, to take advice. And sometimes you're going to be wrong about certain things where you probably used to being right if you've built a business or if you're catching success, like when you're wrong, you have to be able to accept that and say, okay, no problem, let's do this, right? Because it's the right thing to do and it benefits everyone. Um, And those are two things, like if you don't have them, you can work on them, both humility and listening, listening especially. (laughs) Right, right. And I think, you know, the key is I heard a podcast um, talking about about that very thing, uh, about the importance of wisdom, you know, our culture had in, you know, historically cultures have looked to wise elders, you know, whether it's native American cultures or, uh, you know, cultures that seem more patriarchal. And I, I think that our culture is turning away from it because of this view that it was, it's the patriarchy. Yeah. Whatever your view of wisdom is, um, find someone that you think is wise who can, you know, be that partner. The other thing that I've seen and a lot of the kind of entrepreneurial influencers that I I like and I think 
know what they're talking about will say is make sure your spouse is your partner. Now, whether they own an interest in the business or not, um, if you're an entrepreneur, you don't just go to work for eight hours and come home. Your life isn't that way. Your time is, um, is fungible, which means you're working really 24 hours a day. So to be successful, in addition, I'm going to go off topic a little, in addition to having good outside advisors, you need to have a really good home life. Because if you want to talk about something that will derail you is emotional energy that is directed someplace else. And I actually counsel my investors who invest in small businesses that if they're going to invest, unfortunately, they have to ask personal questions like, you know, how is your home life? Is there a lot of disruption? Um, because that will make a big difference in the ability to focus on a business as well. So in the same way, if you have uh, what I would say is whatever it takes in your modality for your home life to be stable, secure, um, and that person that is your you know, life partner, um, whatever it takes for them to be your partner in all ways. And it may be that they don't work in the business at all, but they support you by keeping everything else in your life stable so you can do your business. Whatever works for you, just don't forget the fact that um, you're an entrepreneur, which means your life is your business is going to permeate every aspect of what you do. Yeah, it's all or nothing, literally. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, it doesn't work and you get more stress. But thanks for sharing that and fully agree on the wisdom. Um, yesterday, it was yesterday evening, we just had a our, our local congregation meeting and the first talk, the, the theme of it was the value of wisdom. It was all about King Solomon, right, and early first kings. But that's what it was about, which he had wisdom because he prayed for it. But that's that's another topic. Otherwise, we'll go off topic and talk about yeah, that. The interesting bit. thing about Solomon is that his mother mm -hmm. uh, had been telling him. Uh, and uh, if, if you look at the end of uh, Proverbs, the Proverbs 31 woman is actually his mom. Um, and she was incredibly successful, um, not only the wife to a king, but uh, King David. And she had told him don't do all of these things. And so if you look at Proverbs, it's him saying, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I made all of these bad decisions. I didn't listen to wisdom. So, um, so, uh, you know, again, if what, if, you know, I, I'm, I'm telling you guys this, you listeners, because I believe in small business and the stronger the small business community is, I think the, the stronger our communities are, our families and, um, and our, our country, frankly. So uh, that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from at, is in my 30 plus years of practice um, and supporting my dad as an entrepreneur, I can say that those things are as important as anything else. So. Yeah, fully agree. And thank you for sharing all of that. I know everyone appreciates it. I do, I'll share that. Um, so kind of tying all this together then, right? So as the business owner, right, you're trying to get things smooth so you can operate at 100% capacity, if you want to call it that, but then actually structuring it properly, which there's a million different ways you can structure it as far as the actual estate planning. So call it just business planning and then estate planning. Like 
the question comes up, what, not what do I do, but what am I supposed to do there? For example, if I have one company or multiple companies, right? How do I structure them from an entity standpoint? But then how do I protect them? How do I protect myself from a personal estate planning? And we don't have to go into all of the details because in our last podcast, we had gone through my chart there and you explained exactly how it's set up. So that's a good example if you want specific details, just as you're watching this. Um, but that can be overwhelming for people. Uh, just how do I set it up from the get-go? And to, to even take a step back, I know when I first started just setting up, uh, call it business planning and estate planning, going through your basic questionnaire, I had a lot of questions on basic things as far as, hey, who should I make my trustee over here? Who should be my executor? What, what is that? Like, what do they actually do? A lot of that stuff was not, it was foreign to me. Like I could, I knew with some of the basics, but I didn't really knew, know what it meant, if that makes sense. So yeah, the, the kind of similarly now uh, estate planning, because um, so I'm just going to go back to the very first thing I said, you know, if you are, if you work for a company, what you're planning for is cash, your retirement plans, et cetera, and then your house and, you know, personal things. That's an easier set of questions than I'm a business owner. So how am I going to not only pass value to my family, right? But also what is my succession and who would control this business? Where does the equity go? Um, as I build value, I don't want to pay a state tax on it because um, while we could defer tax on a small business, there are ways to do that. Um, you know, each uh, right now, the exemption, as hopefully most of your listeners know, is $12,060,000. And I do think it will go up again next year because our cost of living has gone up so significantly. Um, but, you know, that's $24, $25 million. Um, you know, if, if you're building a company with a really good set of revenue numbers, you may very well have a value that is in excess of that $25 million. So we wanted, you know, with your estate planning lawyer, you want to start thinking about, could I carve off some of this into trust for my children or my parents or my nieces and nephews or for a charity to keep the value of my business below the estate tax limit. And, and then what about succession? Who, you know, if my family hasn't been involved in the business, if my spouse has supported me in my business by keeping the home running, then would that spouse know how to run the business? And, and would that even be fair to them, right? So looking at things like life insurance, um, high cash value life insurance, which is how you and I met, because I think um, life insurance is a, an absolute necessity in estate planning and business planning and that kind of thing. But helping, again, you know, here, it's like when you're a kid and um, someone gave you a piece of paper and one crayon, right? Well, that one crayon you could do some with, but then if they walk up and they hand you a box with 64 crayons, <laughs> oh my gosh, how cool is that, right? I have a ton more that I can do. 
but which do I use first, mm -hmm. right? So I think that's kind of the way I see estate planning. Step one, I have one black crayon and a piece of paper. So, uh, okay. But then as I go into the internet, I get 64 crayons. And I think I have all of these options, but who's going to tell me which crayons to use for this particular picture, right? Which means you're still going to be creative, but you're going to have some direction. Um, so I think that that really is what Steve, you know, you experienced in your own estate planning journey. That is a continuous journey, you know, as you all grow and your family grows and that almost becomes more personal than even your business lawyer, but you need those people to either be the same person, which in some situations they can be, or you need them to be able to work really well together. Yeah. Because it, the needs for a business owner and the business owner's family are completely different than the needs for an individual who, who, has a, who is planning for salary, a personal residence, a vacation home, and a retirement plan. Yeah, and we did go through that process and you helped out with that um, when you met with me and my wife. Like my big concern is she's always helped me from day one, right? The late nights when I'm up, to, up at 2 a.m. She's helping me out. She's not directly involved in the business, but she helps out and I'll help her wherever I can as well, just personally. Um, but with that said, if anything did happen to me, while she was not directly involved in the business, she was because there's no way on earth it would have happened without her, yeah. right? Just, just to say that. So I would not want her pushed out by any means, but at the same time, I don't want her to have to make decisions and be involved because she wouldn't want to, right? It's not her thing. So how is she still treated fairly if anything did happen, happen to me um, from the business and personally and still have all of the employees who have been grinding away every single day also have the company that still benefits them. So like, how do you set that up properly? Not just by saying, here's what we're going to do and it's going to work out. Like you do have to, and I even knew this, you do have to have that legally set up <laughs> just with the proper documents and such, because that's where absolute messes occur if it's not. Yeah. Just from legal aspects, it's like, no, no, I don't want any of that stuff. I wouldn't want it if I was here. So if I'm not here, I wouldn't want it either. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely true. So again, um, if you have that trusted advisor yeah. who knows you really, really well, then that trusted advisor can help you figure out, you know, that 64 crayon box and actually you might need 120 depending on your situation um but it's why i always when i i've tended to use the word tools whenever i'm teaching a class because you know a you have to figure out what is it is it is it a wrench i need is it a set of pliers you know is it a black crayon an orange one um so you have to be able to really identify your goals and and for and for everyone actually it's more than that like how do i frame a discussion with my spouse um, about estate planning how do i even go about it what are the boxes i need to tick so most estate planning lawyers we use an estate planning questionnaire we have one that we use um we used it with you and tara um 
And then because that at least helps you figure out what do we need to talk about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When we sit down together, it's one thing to sit down and go, okay, all right, we have a white piece of paper and a black crayon. What do we do with it? Right. We need a set of instructions. Well, you need to know who do you want to be the executor of your will and what's the difference between an executor and a trustee? And, you know, what are we going to do with and, and you know, and it's even things uh, like uh, so, you know, what kind of insurance do we need? Where do we want it to go? How are we going to serve the business and serve each other? Because that's almost a harder set of questions too. Again, if I'm just, if I'm a worker bee, my spouse gets what my spouse gets. We don't have to think about what about my business partners? How are we going to compensate them? Is my spouse comfortable with the way that I'm going to compensate them? What about a buy-sell agreement? Because, you know, my spouse probably doesn't want to have an interest in the business, but maybe they do. Maybe they want the cash flow. So you can see that the business planning and the estate planning actually, you know, you think that they're like this, but they're actually like this. They're actually completely entwined with each other. Mm -hmm. It's a lot to handle um, or a lot just to think about. I remember going through that with Tara and she's like, this is overwhelming. Like, it's all right. Let's just do it one piece at a time. Yeah. 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 We didn't even complete the questionnaire in full. and this is where I'm going to say just being approachable is important. Like with you and your associates, we felt like we could approach you for basic questions. Like, what do we do here? And then it was Brock who sent back for a section of the questionnaire. Like, I don't know how to complete this piece. Like, what do you usually see? It's like, well, here's typically how people answer it. Here's what it means. And just broke down a couple of definitions of like section, I don't know, 3B of the questionnaire. I'm just making that up. And, and it helped. Okay, now we can move through it. Because... It can be frustrating when you're trying to do that and it's something you're not experienced with, which means it's going to take a lot more time to get it done properly. Right? You don't want to just rush through that. You can't. So it's it's important. And not feeling like you're annoying someone goes a long way. I know for a lot of the people we work with, just when they're actually taking out a cash value life insurance product, it's not as complex as tax and estate planning. In my opinion, it's not, um, but it can be complex when you're new about it. So like one of the most important things that I try and just reinforce is make sure that person always feels comfortable, even if they have to ask the same question 10 times. Like if if they don't understand it yet, take the time. Don't make them feel like I or our company is annoyed in any way, shape or form. Take the time with them because it's their money going into it. So you want to give them that consideration just like you would like when you're dealing with something that you don't understand. It's going to take you more time to grasp it. So call it just being considerate, considerate of others when you're educating them. And they've got to be, they've got to feel comfortable approaching you because if they don't, it's like, see you later. I'm not working with you. That's usually what happens. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, again, you know, I'll just go back to my sweet little housekeeper. You know, if I had hired a housekeeper who could not have cared any less where I want to put the socks, it wouldn't have worked, right? Or wasn't willing to talk to me about where I want to put the socks. Or uh, so, I mean, in everything in life, it's it's really that way. And, but more, but this is, you can commoditize a lot of things. And if you are an individual who doesn't own a business, I would argue you could almost commoditize estate planning because there, it makes the questions 
much more systemic, right? It's, it's, it's much more straightforward. Yeah. But if you own a business, it just isn't. It's, it's hard. People are all, always say to me, Elizabeth, why can't you guys, why are you guys not doing fixed fee estate planning? And I said, because my, almost all of our clients are business owners. I mean, a fixed fee estate planning doesn't work for them because we'd all get frustrated and kind of, oh gosh, we're only doing it for $1,500. We try and shove people into one mold. It, and But I'm not saying that fixed fee is bad. I mean, for a lot of people, that's all you need. You don't want to pay for something that's more than what you really need. But for business owners, the, the, the type of planning you need is a completely integrated planning solution. And that's, you know, the words that I always use, it's an integrated system. It's kind of like the way I view healthcare, which is the way everyone views healthcare, but we know that it's integrated. How you feel emotionally affects your physical health. Your physical health affects your emotional health. It's the same with a business and with estate planning, it's integrated. So you can't really separate them um, in the way that you can if you work for a big corporation. And so you can actually think about what you do for work separate from what you think about in terms of your family. Mm -hmm. So, because a lot of people say to me, well, why, why do I hear this one thing? And why are you saying something different? And the answer is your audience is different. <laughs> That does work if you fit that definition in terms of you know what you do for a living. If you don't, then that isn't gonna work for you. You have to have this other basket of services to meet your needs properly. Yeah, and that helps when you take the time and explain that because you, I see my brother or dad do things a certain way where he, fits a different criteria than me, for example, right? And oh, he did it this way, so I'm going to do it that the same way where it might not be a fit. And then someone tells me it's not a fit, like I've seen my dad do that my whole life. Like, why would I not do it? Well, right. here are the reasons why, as why, as opposed to just saying, no, don't do it like that. Like, what are you, an idiot? Like, no, <laughs> not that someone, a lawyer would say that to someone, but if it comes off that way, that's just where you have the clash of personalities just from experience, that's usually where business relationships or working with certain companies go south, where someone gets emotionally poked in a, in an area that they don't like, like I'm not working with that person, but they're really good. Yeah, but I don't like them. So I'm not going to work with them. Like, all right, I can't convince you otherwise. So do whatever you'd like. Um, but that that happens a lot. It really, It's like, what kind of fuel does your car take? Diesel yeah. or regular or, you know, unleaded yeah. or is it, you know, battery operated, right? If you go try and plug it up to the wrong thing, it's not going to work. Gonna, not gonna work. Not gonna and, work. and I, I you know, I, I, I really do plug that book, the entrepreneurial personality type, Alex Sharpen's book, because while so many of us know that entrepreneurs are different, um, even for me, the first time, I heard Alex talk about the entrepreneurial personality type. I actually started crying because for entrepreneurs, for most of us, we don't fit in a box, right? So everyone kept telling us there was something wrong with us. Why are you wanting to do that? Can't you just do it like everyone else? Little Sally, can you sit in your chair, you know, and 
I remembered being in school and I would, I taught myself Lamaze breathing before I even knew what it was. I would sit there and I would breathe. Okay, you can sit quietly, you know, well, you can, you don't have to, you know, um, solve all those problems. So that also is something that um, is just really important. You know, step one to understand you are different. They may all take unleaded fuel, but you take diesel. And once you know that about yourself, then you can do whatever you need to go buy diesel fuel, right? Yeah. Instead of putting the wrong fuel in your tank. Yeah, I agree with that. And make sure you put the diesel in your tank if that's what you take. Don't try to be like someone else because you think that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's just, I, I know that that may sound really corny to set, to talk about fuel, but it's the same thing with, um, with entrepreneurs as well, just so that you know this about yourselves. You don't need a lot of friction and noise in your life. You need everyone around you, not to be yes people, right? You need good wisdom, but you don't need a whole bunch of friction and noise because then you're not going to be able to meet your entrepreneurial goals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and you will probably fail and get burned out and, you know, be, you know, angry all the time. I have people all the time saying to me, why do you work so hard? What, what's going on? What, why are you always, you know, you need to rest. You, and, and, the reason I don't is I put the right fuel in my system. Yeah. And you, it's obvious, obvious that you thoroughly enjoy it. <laughs> right. And as and each of the entrepreneurs listening, the business owners, that's the key. You want to not be dealing with the things that you shouldn't deal with that aren't bringing you joy and helping you scale and grow your business. And um, and then you'll be, you know, you'll be leaping years ahead in terms of production, et cetera. Yes. I was talking about that yesterday with um, my assistant, Cheyenne, uh, just about like, I think we need, well, I know we need to get someone in here, a CFO, someone that can really just manage the books full time. And she's like, well, I mean, you kind of do that. Or, or that's what I've always done. Like, yeah, but I mean that while numbers, I enjoy them, that's not really my thing. I don't have a, a desire to do that. Like I do actually working with people, setting up the, the cash value life insurance policies. That's what I have a lot of fun with. Um, and that's what I'm, I'm better at because I've done it for so long. So I'm like, it's much more beneficial to get someone in here who's very, very good and does that full time as opposed to just trying to constantly do it myself and then make mistakes that you got to go back and fix them, which is not fun. Which, and the other, so the kind of corollary to what you just said yeah. is, you know, when you're a young business owner, you, it's, it's going to be hard. It really is almost just you. And so buy some really good key man insurance to make your family whole in case you run yourself into the ground. But as time goes on, the, the key man insurance still is important, but you need a team around you who can support you if you have something that happens to you. And, and I'll just you know, my, as you know, Steve, my husband died in April and I had had bad things happen in the past, um, but I didn't have the same team. So I had had times with, with where I had a personal kind of cataclysmic event, but I didn't have a team. So it did cause some interruption in my business this time. while well, there was some interruption in that I wasn't able, I wasn't as able as I had been in the past, the team came around me and 
we really felt very little interruption because we had such a good team. And that's the other thing that business owners like, you know, that you have to realize is bad things happen in life and you can't always predict them. We wish we could predict them. Um, but what we know is I heard Jordan Peterson talking about this in relation to the flood. And he said, one could argue that Noah didn't get the information from God. I believe he did, but Jordan's argument was one could argue that he was just looking farther into the future and taking stock with regard to, you know, changes and, you know, maybe weather, you know, patterns and things they were experiencing. And he built an ark. The, and that's really for the small business owners, what we're talking about today. Um, you know, we, we don't know everything. We know the things we don't know. Um, what we have to do is put systems in place to provide outside wisdom and structure, not only for today, but the future. And, um, and then that will provide the ability to grow and, and scale the businesses without interruption for the bad things that will happen. They will. Bad things absolutely will happen. They will pop up. And one thing too, so patience is going to be important here for business owners because you mentioned your team's able to help now, right? In the event, you've got to take some time yeah. off, something happens where when you first started building your team, you might have someone who's very, very good, but if they just start working with you, maybe even if they're a year in, they're still going to encounter things that they haven't run into before. And in my opinion, a very valuable team member would be someone that tries to figure it out first without messing things up, but tries to figure it out first. And then when they've exhausted all options, they've come to you saying, hey, here's my solutions. No, you're busy, but I try to do this. I think I'm 80% there. What would you do? And that saves you so much time because you could say, all right, you're just about there. Say this or add this verbiage in your email, whatever the, the problem is. And now you can really get to that solution faster. But it can take team members, or I should say it will take team members, depending on what business you're in, just to grow over time because it, it won't happen overnight. Um, we wish that it would, but just think when you first started, did you know everything overnight? No, as the business owner. So it's going to take time. <laughs> and, the, and, and then kind of the final piece, I don't know how much more patience your audience has for this, but one of the final pieces is um, your best resource. Now, a lot of people argue hire well. And that is important. Um, and there are some really, um, some people out there even doing things on YouTube, talking about how to hire well. And, and so that's super important. But once you've hired and you've trained them, that becomes your resource. <laughs> so that, that is an asset that you have to nurture, you know, think about how we keep them because turnover will kill a small business. So, and, and again, you know, to put a plug for, for insurance, I mean, people like Steve who can help you think through some of the insurance needs that you might have, um, non-qualified and qualified plans. Um, you know, even though you're a small business, there's a lot that can be done to really incentivize and encourage those really good employees. So that's another mistake I've seen in business owners because a lot of them are creatives and they don't know how to manage. So to your CFO issue, Steve, you are uniquely suited to managing people. But the question is, is it in your highest and best 
is at your highest and best use. And you have a team who helps you manage people and offloading to a CFO who can manage all the numbers is also another kind of corollary because now they can provide transparency and, and reports and things to your team that also makes your team feel more comfortable and gives you the freedom to go do some of these other things. But that, that just remember, I think small business owners, so many are, if you look at their Berkman or their Myers-Briggs, they weren't meant to be managers. Of course they weren't because you're an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So you have to be wise enough to bring in somebody with those management skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just so that Berkman that you mentioned there, that's similar to a disc profile. Because the first time you mentioned that to me, I remember that call you mentioned, yeah, my Berkman, it said you should have been an insurance agent, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what, what does that mean? I didn't say anything that call. I hadn't heard of it. Then I looked it up like, oh, it's like the disc profile, personality profile. Um, I think you would have crushed it as an insurance agent, by the way. But of course, I'd say that because that's my business. <laughs> I, yeah, I do. I do love insurance. But, um, but in, you know, the, uh, and the last thing I'll say to kind of pull that back to why do I love insurance? Because um, some of you, I mean, Steve and I have no financial relationship. In fact, it only goes one way. He pays me <laughs> to, <Yeah. laughs> to work for him. Uh, I'm his employee. Um, but, there, but it's independent. But um, insurance really is our only favored financial transaction in our current tax code. So, uh, and there are probably lots of reasons for that, but um, it is a, a very highly favored product because growth inside those policies, there is no tax on the income inside those policies. And if structured, um, if structured to be completely tax-free, then you can withdraw the cash without having a taxable event. So um, if, you know, once you get to the place of thinking about insurance as an investment for your family, in other words, building some cash value that's protected, um, that will grow value at your death as well, just that's why insurance is a favored vehicle. Yeah, you do a lot of fun stuff with it. We've got other podcasts on that though. <laughs> right, we do, we do. Great. Well, as always, thank you so much for your time and just sharing your knowledge on everything business and estate planning. Much appreciated. I know our listeners do. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to Elizabeth's firm, we've got our contact info below. And that's all we have today. Anything in closing you'd like to mention? <laughs> Blessings and be well. Thank you for your time as always. I appreciate it. <laughs> Enjoy.